So if you have your Bibles, if you have your devices, go ahead and get ready. Turn to Romans chapter 10. If you don't have a Bible with you, if you're visiting with us, don't worry. We're going to put some notes. We're going to put the scriptures up on the screen, and you can follow along with us that way. But the title of my message today is Any Given Sunday. Any Given Sunday. Now, in the theme of Super Bowl Sunday, um, you're going to have some football analogies today. In fact, any given Sunday is normally used in football, and I'll explain what that is in a minute. So if, if you're into football, you understand football, my prayer is you'll, you'll get some things out of this message. If you don't like football and uh, you don't watch football, don't worry about it. I'm not going to overload. Uh, we're not going to talk about football all day, um, and I still pray that you'll get something out of this message as well. But the term any given Sunday simply means that no matter what the odd makers say, no matter what team is playing, what team is better, what team is worse, on any given Sunday, any team can win. On any given Sunday, any team can win. For example, tonight, there's a really slim, slim chance that the Eagles will win, but on any given Sunday, any team can win. As a precursor, I'm allowed three of those comments throughout the day. That's one, and I can't go more than three, or someone will throw a flag at me. But on any given Sunday, any team can win. You want to know something else? On any given Sunday, a life can be changed. On any given Sunday, strongholds can be broken. On any given Sunday, relationships can be restored. So on any given Sunday, any team can win. But on any given Sunday, when you come to the house of the Lord, anything is possible. Anything is possible. And speaking of um, any given Sunday, last Sunday, Pastor Brian did a tremendous job. How many of you appreciated Vision Sunday last week? He did a tremendous job of communicating what God has put into his heart and into Pastor Cynthia's heart, what God is speaking to us as a church at this hour. Um, if you weren't here last week, do yourself a favor, listen to the uh, sermon online or go to our info table, get a copy. If this is your first time here, do yourself a favor. You won't have to stare at a Patriots jersey next week. Come back and listen to Pastor Brian preach. Seriously, he has a great gift to communicate the word of God. He does it in such a way that it comes across simple and you can actually walk away being able to apply what he teaches. So make sure to come back next week and listen to him share. But he shared last week the vision, the vision of Grace Chapel, the vision of this church. He said that we are a church that prays. We're a church that worships. We're a church that builds. We're a church that reaches. We're a church that cares. For what? All in an effort to see people become fully devoted followers of Christ. You know, and when he shared that last week, specifically what stood out to me, nothing's more important than the, than the others, but what stood out to me was when he talked about reaches, how we are a church that reaches. And he, what, what did he do? He challenged us this year for everyone to invite one person to church. So that means now that we're in February, we have 11 months to be able to use an invite card or whatever God chooses to use in your life to invite someone to church. And it started, I started thinking. I started thinking about all the people in Palm Beach County that do not attend church. All the people. 
I'm not talking about they don't attend Grace Chapel. I'm talking about people that don't attend any church at all. Did you know that there's 1.3 million people in Palm Beach County? 1.3 million people in Palm Beach County, and studies show that 50% of that population are churched, and 50% of the population are unchurched. Church is anyone of any faith saying, yes, I regularly attend a house of worship. But there's 50% of our population out there today that are unchurched. And when we look at the 50% of unchurched people, it's broken down into two categories. 35% are considered de-churched. That's anyone who has not stepped foot into a church in the past six months. They attended church at one point and then they stopped coming. And then there's more alarming to me, 15% never churched. 15% of our population have never stepped foot into church. That's almost double of our U.S. national average of 8%. You're sitting in chairs today in a beautiful church, and there are a bunch of people that are not. You're sitting in a portion of the country which is the number two ranked highest population of people never stepping foot into a church. Other studies have shown, and and they've asked them questions. So you take the churched, and then you take the unchurched. When I talk about church, I'm talking about Jewish, Methodist, Lutheran, non-denomination, mainline denomination, charismatic, Pentecostal. This is what they had to say to these two specific questions. They were asked, do you believe that it takes good works to get into heaven? 58% of that population totally agree that it simply just takes good works. Just be a good person. Just be a good person. Live a good life. Take your neighbor's trash in from time to time. Just be a good person. Don't bother anybody. Just worry about your four and no more and you're okay. And then 48%... They totally agree that Jesus committed sins. Totally agreed that Jesus committed sins. And when I hear those numbers, that tells me that our county desperately needs Jesus. Desperately needs Jesus. I'm not talking about kinda. I mean, I'm talking about right now, if this was Palm Beach County, half of this room goes to church and half of this room doesn't. Is that setting off any bells in your head right now? We desperately need Jesus because they're walking around aimlessly without the true hope, without the truth, without the truth that Jesus is real, the truth that he didn't commit sin, the truth that he died on a cross for our sins. And not just so that we can have life in heaven, but that we can have an abundant life here on earth. He died on a cross, not just for our eternal destination, but for our life right here and right now. The truth is, Jesus Christ died on a cross so that we can be overcomers of fear, so that we can be overcomers of depression, so that we can be overcomers of the generational curses that were passed on from generation to generation. And yes, to have eternity in heaven. 
And when I talk about an abundant life, Pastor J. Pike did a tremendous job sharing about this, is that there's a gospel out there that's being shared. Man, God loves you. He's a loving God. He loves all his children. Yeah, that's true. And he said that all you have to do is receive him, love him, make him your savior, and you go to heaven. That's true. But what happens is, that's where I think that theology right there, no more, no less, that's where I think the de-churched people stop coming to church. Because what happens is, is they accept Jesus as their Savior, and they're trying to learn how to make Jesus their Lord, and they're presented this idea that everything's going to be perfect. And when they experience something that's not perfect, they say, well, I guess this whole Jesus thing didn't work out the way I thought it was supposed to. I'm not going to waste my time going back to church. There is a dying world in our community today. And man, when I was thinking about this and when I was preparing this, my heart really started to break. My heart started to break that there's marriages that are going through some tough times. Tough, tough times. I can't tell you, I've spoken to friends this past couple of weeks and two friends in two weeks and they're going through a divorce. They don't know the hope of Jesus in their life. And they said, you know what? This isn't going to work out. I have no answers. There's someone in the Bible where his heart broke for his nation. There's someone in the Bible that his heart broke for those that thought they were just really good people, just trying to do really good things. There were people that, you know, they, they went through the motions of religion because they were just told that's just what you do. They had no meaning behind it. I mean, I remember when I grew up Catholic, and I grew up in Boston, East Boston, Massachusetts. I went to Sacred Heart Parish, right on Paris Street. It's a beautiful little church. And, and when you walk up the church, when you walk up the stairs, there's this beautiful marble basin that's filled with water. And what do you do? You take your two fingers, you dabble a little water, and you do the sign of the cross on your forehead. And I asked my mom, why do we do that? Well, that's just what we do. I remember walking in, and there's this little room off to the side, and they had all these little candles in these little cash boxes, coin boxes, and people would go and light a candle, throw a quarter in, and, and put money in there, and, and they were praying to Mary. And I, and I said, why do we do that? She said, well, that's just what we do. And then we walk into this beautiful cathedral-looking building, beautiful, long wooden benches, the pews, and they had these really long footstools with little cushions on the top of the footstools. It's one of those footstools that you can't lift by yourself. You need everyone in the row to help you lift up the footstool or to bring it down because if you don't have help, it makes this big, loud clang. If you've been to Catholic Church, you know what I'm talking about. And the reason why they had these little cushions on these footstools is because the priest would say, okay, go ahead and kneel. And then at another point, he'll say, you go ahead and stand. And then at another point, he'll say, go ahead and sit. And that's, we just kind of did that all the time. We just sat, we stood, we kneeled. We sat, we stood, we kneeled. I'm like, why do we have to do this? Quit asking questions. That's just what we do. And the person in the Bible that I'm referring to, man, that's the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul, and, and we see this. It, it, go ahead and look at Romans chapter 10 with me. Romans chapter 10 and verse 1, and I love the way the, trans, the Passion Translation puts it. He's writing this letter, and he says, brothers and sisters, there's a passionate desire of my heart, and there's a constant prayer to God 
that my fellow Israelites experience true salvation. That they experience, my fellow nation would experience salvation. And he's not saying that they will one day experience salvation in eternity. No, he's saying that they will experience salvation here and now. And we see at verse, uh, verse 3, he goes on and he says that they have ignored the righteousness that God gives because they rely on their own good works. They refuse to submit to God's faith righteousness because they rely on their good works. Just like our population today that believes, they totally agree, hey, it just takes good works. And in verse 4, he totally debunks what we believe today. Those that believe that Jesus committed sins because he says this in verse 4, God has transferred his perfect righteousness to all who believe. He couldn't have perfect righteousness if he sinned. Paul had the same desire then that I pray that we have today. He realized that his nation needed God. And we jump down to Romans chapter 10 verse 14. And this is really where I believe the heart of the message is today. Actually, in verse 13, it says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Verse 14 says, but how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? And how can they even hear about him unless someone tells them? How will anyone go and tell them without being sent? This is why the scripture says, how beautiful are the feet of the messengers who bring good news. I want someone to say, I have beautiful feet. Some of you were reluctant to say that, but I'm not talking about your natural feet this morning. I'm talking about your spiritual feet. How beautiful are the feet of the messengers. You know, everyone in here has a job to do. We're all messengers. We see that everyone that calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone. Doesn't matter what your past looks like. It doesn't matter what your present looks like. It doesn't even matter if you cheer for the Steelers. You can still be saved if you come to the Lord. There's like a whole fan base over here. In fact, Esther almost tackled me. She, wouldn't, she almost didn't even let me in today. I had to tell her I was preaching. Then she said, okay. But there's a process as well to, to people receiving the gospel. First of all, they have to hear the gospel. Then they have to understand the gospel. And then that's when they can receive the gospel for their life. And the gospel simply means good news. What good news? The good news of Jesus Christ. And we all have a job to do, right? We all have a job to do. So in order for me to kind of drive that point home a little bit, a little illustration here. And it's not a coincidence that it's red and blue. That's number, that's, that's number two, okay? I just got one more left in me. But I'm going to need some help. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask, uh, I'm actually going to ask, who am I going to ask? I'm definitely going to ask Robert. Is Robert still here? He left. I wanted to pick on him because of his jersey. Um, how about Tyler? Can, I, can you come help us? The Rams did really good this year. Jeff, are you available? Come on, Jeff, come up here. All right, come on, Pastor Mark. 
Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. All right, all right, all right. So ready? So Pastor Mark is going to be the quarterback. I need you to stand right over here. Can either of you catch? All right, I'll have you, I'll have you stand right here then. You can have the ball. You can catch, right? Is he too far? Is he okay? We didn't go through this. They have no idea that, that they were ready for this. Okay. All right, so listen, on my whistle, you're going to go ahead and you're going to, you can turn around. I'll make it easy on you. On my whistle, you just go ahead and snap the ball to, to Mark on my whistle. Yeah, real easy. And then, um, and then, real simple, you get the ball, you throw it to Jeff. Ready? Go. All right. Can I see the ball, please? First of all, first of all, I said on my whistle, and he snapped it on go. That didn't work. Second of all, Mark definitely, Pastor Mark definitely throws the ball over his head, and Jeff gave it no effort at all. So now that we got that out of the, no, 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 we're not done. Come on, we're not done. We're going to do it one more time. Um, I do. I said on my whistle. Do you want to come a little closer? You're good right there. Okay, ready? All right, all right, all right, all right. I don't got that much time. We got chili to eat. Ready? All right, give me a hand of applause. There you go. Thank you so much. See? Now we know why the Patriots are in the Super Bowl. Oh, I used my third one. Watch this now. Everyone has a job to do. Everyone has a job to be messengers of the gospel. Watch this. Tyler had to snap the ball at the right time. He had to snap the ball at the right time. He can't snap it before the whistle. When the whistle was blown, that's when he snapped the ball. He snapped the ball. He gave it to Pastor Mark. Pastor Mark received the ball. All he had to worry about was receiving it. He didn't have to worry about snapping the ball. All he had to do was worry about taking the ball and throwing it to Jeff. Jeff, all he needed to do, man, he just needed to receive that thing. He just, so, but, but it all started at the right time. You all with me? Okay. Watch this. How beautiful. Put that verse back up there for me. How beautiful are the feet of the messengers who bring good news. Ready? The word beautiful in the Greek, horios. Horios comes from the root word hora. In Latin, that's ora. In English, a certain definite time. I believe that the Holy Spirit is the center. The Holy Spirit knows when to snap the ball. We don't need to worry about the time. We don't need to worry about what, all we need to do is we just need to sit here in a position to receive from the Holy Spirit. And we don't even have to worry about if what we are delivering gets received. We don't have to worry about if the person that's receiving the message is going to catch it. We just need to worry about we're receiving it from the Holy Spirit. We're sensitive to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's going to know what time, when, how, where, what to say, who to say it to. And we just need to deliver and do our job. And that is why our feet 
are beautiful. And that's why we're just called to be a messenger of the good news. We don't have to be theologians to hand one of these out. In fact, this was sitting in your seat today. This is what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to ask you to please pick it up off the ground if it fell. I'm going to ask you to please take it out of the seat pocket in front of you if it landed there accidentally. I'm going to ask you to take it, and I'm going to ask you not to give it to anybody yet. Unless the Holy Spirit snaps the ball. This is what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to ask you to put this in your wallet, put this in your purse. When you go home, put it in your Bible. And I want you to pray. I want you to pray over this card. I want you to pray and be in position to receive from the Holy Spirit and ask the Holy Spirit to show you when is the right time to use this card. I want you to pray and ask God to use this card to speak truth to someone's life. I want you to pray that when someone receives the card, okay, that they're going to take it and they're not just going to throw it in the trash, but they're actually on any given Sunday, they're going to show up to church. That's what I want you to do. With 1.3 million people, half of the population not coming to church, I think one person is very doable. And in fact, I think that there are, there are people right now, whether it's one person or more than one person, that's coming to your mind. I want you to pray. I want you to take this, and I want you to pray. I just want to share a quick um, quote from an article that was written. The article, it's called Five Trends Among the Unchurched, and it says this. It says that the churchless that we interviewed were most open to a friend of theirs inviting them to attend a local church. With one-fifth expressing strong interest and nearly half willing to consider a church based on this factor. An invitation from a friend is the top-rated way churches can establish connections with the unchurch. It's not social media. It's not a billboard on 95. It's not an ad in the Palm Beach Post. The most effective way to connect unchurched people to the church is with an invitation. That's why we have these books as well. I encourage you today. You've seen these books. If you're not familiar with these books, it's called Restored. It's a book that was published with testimonies from people in our church. They have purposely, t- they have taken the churchiness out of this. They have perfect, pur- purposely tried to make it relatable. But you're saying, well, Alex, that's just watering down the word. No, it's not. It's removing obstacles so people can receive the, the, the miracles of God for their life. It's so that it can reach people that are in a shattered state and bring them to a place of restoration. And you know what's great about this book? There's a personal letter from Pastor Brian. There is the prayer of salvation. And then there's directions on how to get here to this church. So what I love about this, as we are the quarterback, we can use this book. And we can hand it to someone. We don't even have to say, come to church. We don't have to know Romans Road. I mean, it's good if you do, but you don't have to. You can go ahead and you can just go, go ahead and say, here, I know you're going through some tough times, man. I believe that there's some stories in that book that are going to bless you. And then a week goes by and you can say, hey, how's that book going? How's that book going? Hey, you have any questions? You can follow up with them. And you're taking, you're, you're taking an obstacle out of the way, an invitation. God can use an invite. God can use a book. Because our end goal is not to get people into chairs. 
Our end goal is to get hope of Jesus Christ into their hearts. That's our end goal. Think about it. When did you start coming to church? When did you start coming to church? How did you get here? Most likely it was through an invitation. Real quickly, I just think about my wife, Pastor, uh, my wife Melissa. And when she was in high school, she said how when she was in geometry class, there was this one classmate that just kept inviting her, kept inviting her each week. And Melissa, man, she was good. She had an excuse after excuse after excuse. It finally got to a point that her classmate was asking her so many times that she ran out of excuses. So Melissa just said, hey, you know what? I'm just going to go ahead and say yes so that she can quit asking me to church. But you know what? She showed up to church on that Sunday. She said her life has never been the same. Any given Sunday. I remember a Friday night where I was working in a corporate setting. 3 p.m., I was getting ready to go. I'm just thinking about my weekend. All of a sudden, the Holy Spirit drops it in my heart to go pray for the CEO of the company. The CEO of the company. You want me to go pray for the CEO of the company. You want me to go talk about Jesus to someone that can just fire me. I'm not going to go and talk to the CEO of the company about Jesus. I'm not going to risk my reputation and lose my job. Are you kidding me? In fact, at that time, I didn't even, I didn't even know how to put a prayer together. Five o'clock comes around, and I'm getting ready to leave, and I have to walk by his office in order to get to the elevators. And my heart just started pounding more and more. My hands started getting sweaty. It got to the point, I said, you know what? I'm just going to go ahead, and I'm just going to go pray for him. As soon as I took that step, the Holy Spirit said, pray for his back. I said, okay. It was a little weird. I walked in. I knocked on the door. He said, come in. I normally don't go to his office. And he's from Texas, so he had like this really big alligator skin seat that he was in. And he's just kind of hacking away. He's like, yeah, what can I do for you? What was even weirder, I walked in, and I knew he was into music, but I didn't think it was like this. I walked in, and there was this table to the right, and it had an Elvis head with a microphone. And on top of the Elvis head was a wig. I said, this is getting really weird. How in the world can I talk to Jesus? Talk to him about Jesus. I said, okay, I'm just in here. Sorry to bother you. I just want to pray for you. I feel like I'm supposed to pray for you. He's like, yeah, okay, that's fine. I said, I feel like I'm supposed to pray for your back. He stopped. He looked up. He said, what would you just say? I said, I'm supposed to pray for your back. He says, who told you about my back? I said, I don't know. I just, I feel like I'm supposed to pray for your back. Is that okay? He said, sure, that's fine. I said, okay, and I start walking towards him. He's like, what are you doing? I said, I'm going to pray for your back. He says, no, you're not. I said, but you just said I could pray for your back. He says, well, pray for my back before you eat tonight. Before I eat? He's like, yeah, don't you guys pray before you eat? I said, I give thanks to God for the meal I'm about. To. He goes, just can you pray for me later? I said, no problem, I'll pray for you tonight. So that was Friday. Next week comes, and I'm thinking he's going to call me into my office, into his office, and he's going to fire me, right? Monday comes along, nothing. Tuesday comes along, nothing. Wednesday comes along, it's pizza Wednesday. It was awesome. They order pizza every single Wednesday. It's like a, it's like a common watering hole. So we went there, and then he walks in. I said, oh, no, he's here. He's definitely going to say something. And then he finally walks over to me. I said, here it comes. He says, Alex, did you pray for my back? I said, yeah, I did. He goes, it's unbelievable. I said, why? Why do you say See, along with enjoying alligator skins and enjoying being an Elvis impersonator, he also um, rode, he, he did cycling, and he did it for charity. This particular weekend, he rode his bike from Boca down to the Miami Dolphin Stadium. How many of you know that's a long drive, let alone someone pedaling their bike? 
And he says, I do it for charity all the time. And normally when I do it, man, I'm out of commission for a few days. But for some reason, my back didn't hurt this time. My back didn't hurt this time. And I was excited because I wasn't getting fired. I was excited because he shared his testimony. And I said, man, God is good. And he's like, we've been out of contact and some time goes on. And I, and I, and I see him on YouTube. He has a YouTube channel. And on his YouTube channel, probably later that year, it looks like someone took a phone and they took a video of being at an Easter sunrise service. And all he wrote was, God is good. God will use ordinary circumstances to bring extraordinary change into someone's life. We just need to do our job. On any given Sunday, when you take that step of faith, God can do anything. So we're going cl- to wrap things up, I promise you. I just want to give you a quick few applications. I've already given you some already. Invite card, use the book, man. Follow up with that. That's a great way to get people to church. That's a great way to open up the conversation. Another great way is simply buying someone a cup of coffee, buying them lunch. I'm not telling you to manipulate a situation and doing it just for the sake of trying to talk to them about that. But I'm saying, hey, like, you know, you know how it is, the bustle, the hustle and bustle. How much time do you really take or someone really invites you to do something? That, that's, that's a part of reaching. Just spending a few bucks just to kind of create that conversation with them. Offer to pray with someone when they're going through a tough time. There was a friend of mine that once he was going through a really tough time. In fact, he told me that his wife was having an affair with another woman. And how many of you know when someone comes to you, what can you say to that? And it got to the point of the conversation, what I said to him, I said, you know what, man? The only advice that I could possibly give you is that, man, God can restore your marriage. I know nothing else. That's the only thing that I can tell you that's going to make any sense. And then he's like, okay, you know what? I got to go. And then we didn't talk for about seven months. Eight months later, he calls me. He said, Alex, I attended a church. I gave my life to Christ. My wife gave her life to Christ. Our marriage is restored. He's going to a small group. Because you can point someone to God in a time in their life because that's a beautiful time in their life. Sign up for a Discovery One class. They'll teach you how to share your faith. There's actually a whole class on sharing your faith. In fact, February 18th, we're starting a new cycle of Discovery One class. And I want to tell you something. It's not just for new believers. I think there's this idea of Discovery One is just for new believers. It's not. It's where you can learn things and relearn things. And you can learn, you can be equipped, and you can know how to share your faith. So I just want to encourage you today that this is the year. I'm not saying that this may be the year or this might be the year. No. This is the year where you step out in faith, you share your faith in Jesus Christ with someone, and they're going to show up to church on any given Sunday. This is the year that your co-worker is going to walk through those doors on any given Sunday. This is the year that your neighbor is going to quit giving you excuse after excuse and they're going to be sitting in an empty chair right next to you on any given Sunday. Because how beautiful are the feet of messengers that bring the good news of Jesus Christ.